welcome to the podcast where we're going to talk about when we cried and how much. When did we? Cr- when did you start crying in this book? <laughs> Probably when you started crying in this book. Uh, I, I know I asked you this uh, earlier, but did you did you audibly gasp? Yes, <laughs> I was so upset. Uh, this is Pizza Toast. It's a podcast about girls broadly. About, yeah, but books about words of girls. Girl words. words. Of girls. <laughs> specifically. Uh, words of girls in the world of middle grade and YA novels and the adaptations thereof. But right now we're not talking adaptation. We're talking book. We're talking stop in the name of pants. Yes. Uh, a quote n- A quote which does appear. Don't it worry. It does. And I did laugh, but uh-huh. then I was sad again. Uh, and... This is a this is the ninth George Nicholson book. We are very much in the final act yes. of this series. And this is a dramatic volume of the series. Yeah. And uh, not for the reasons that usually I mean, yes, for those reasons, but like they compound in this one. It has a lot of teen drama, of course, but it also has it a lot of came out of left field, hit me with a body blow drama. <laughs> that that resolves itself. In a not heartbreaking way. It does. And I definitely didn't see a recovery coming from that. I thought this, I thought that was just flat out over. But uh, I mean, some stuff happens before it. But really, this book for me is defined by that chunk of it. And then the final scene. I didn't think that in the ninth Georgia Nicholson book, we were going to have a fairly realistic portrayal of the grief process you experience when a loved one is in the process of dying, including the part of the grief process that involves you getting on with your life before the death, because Mm -hmm. it's now inevitable. And then the grief, the process of grief that involves talking with medical professionals who are dispassionately disconnected from your experience, but still operating with a level of care that they have learned to profession. I'm just saying that it feels like Louise Renison has experienced this and was building up to this the entire time. And I would hazard a guess that in her case, it wasn't necessarily a pet because of the right. way it's framed. I mean, okay, Angus is more than a pet. Let's, yeah. let's get this right out there. And let's get this right out there. We're talking about Angus. We're talking about Angus. Uh, Angus presumably gets hit by a car. Yes. It's found all, but uh, all beaten up. And Georgia finds out like during an ace gang sleepover and then is despondent for the next however many pages of the book. But she's uh, active as, as well. Like, yes, she shifts gears on a dime and becomes not a different character. She's still very much Georgia, but all you get to see her drop all pretense and all mm-hmm. of her facade and just become a terrified child. Yeah. Her friends respond really well to it. Uh, this is, this is the first time she and jazz have seemed like really good friends in a long time. This book actually the entire time, uh, they're still annoyed by each other for all the same reasons, but jazz is really sympathetic toward this. Mm. Jazz actually listens to Georgia and her problems for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> and all of her friends are very kind to her during this time, particularly Dave the Laugh, who, oh boy, Dave the Laugh. Well, let's build up to this moment. Yes. Uh, spoilers 
<laughs> Angus is going to get hit by a car and it's going to be handled very well. But there's a lot leading up to that, including uh, the end of last book's camping trip, which <laughs> has consequences uh, and includes Dave the Laugh getting weird at Georgia. He's... There's a uh, there, like I I said the, the uh, cat the cat trauma and the final scene uh, were like what defined this book for me. There are a few Dave the Last scenes that are right up there. That's uh, yeah. just as important. And yeah, he uh, he takes a turn. Mm-hmm. It's a somewhat understandable turn, but you, one would think he would have taken it sooner. Yeah, I don't know what it is that sets him off about this particular thing, but it does. He gets he gets kind of ugly at Georgia a couple of times in this book. I found. Um, Oh yeah, he does. There's a there's a bit uh, near the end that I found pretty upsetting, just uh, because he was framing it as though it's her fault that they keep doing this when the fault is shared. Well, he does it at the very beginning too. So it starts with them still in the woods, Mm -hmm. at the from the end of last book, and he says. Each time he kisses her, he then turns it back on her and says, "You're the one who kissed me," which Mm -hmm. he might be. acting playful in the beginning but it starts seeming really weird he keeps doing that and she gets upset and he says well i figure you're used to this and she's like i'm used to what and he's like well this is basically like you started all this you kissing me and then going out with robbie and then going out with massimo no wonder you you're always messed up and they get in a fight in the woods and he leaves her there until he comes and rescues her but it's really i was like dave Dave's not the hero he was a few books ago, but also he is kind of acting more like a teenage boy. Yeah, he's not sweet in this yeah. book. Like this is the first time he's a little mean, and mm-hmm. or rather, it's the first time he's a little mean to Georgia because he doesn't always treat everyone well. But he's always no. liked Georgia so much that she's been an exception to that. He teases her all the time, but that's because he likes her. Yeah. But here he's getting very frustrated with both himself and with her, and it all just comes at Georgia. Yeah, because remember, he is dating a girl at this point, too. <sighs> Poor Emma. Yeah. We know nothing of Emma except that she's very nice, and she has some feature that Georgia decides she will pick on, but right. doesn't come up that much. Uh, when Georgia and their mates are back on the bus going home, though, uh, we get a little more of of jewels and mabs yes uh suddenly and also rosie a little bit uh becoming a little adversarial at georgia about Mm -hmm. dave the laugh this is the first time it seems like maybe ellen is going to find out yeah like they're really hinting at it strongly and this is where it becomes clear that georgia hasn't been as careful about it as she maybe should have been it's possible all of them know like really because jazz knows of course it's possible they all know but rosie at least has an educated guess given uh given that georgia has already said that oh dave the laugh is the best kisser of all the boys so yeah so there's there's a little ugliness going on in the ace gang Mm -hmm. Uh, and if you remember from last time massimo is still out of the country it's in Pizza Go Go Land. Uh, and we get a little back and forth in this book about Georgia trying to get to Italy to see <laughs> him, but it goes nowhere. Like, and it quickly becomes apparent that it's not going to go anywhere. She's not trying very hard. <laughs> it's yeah. more like asking her parents for 500 quid, not getting it. 
uh, wondering if she should break into Jazz's piggy bank. Obviously not doing that. Yeah. Not, not making the strongest of efforts. And Masmo's really disappointed about it, too. He but, is. Yeah. He likes her a lot for what Georgia begins to realize is not really that <laughs> great of reasoning. She, she realizes in this book that they have nothing to talk about and he never yeah. understands her, which is long overdue. Although he hasn't been around that long. He hasn't been around that long, but they haven't had a whole lot of one-on-one that doesn't involve kissing or a lot of it's the language barrier and also the yeah. fact that her sense of humor is, and she brings this up, her sense of humor is tough to translate to English speaking people. She's, she really, yeah. she's, she knows like we're kind of seeing just how self-aware Georgia is here. Mm-hmm. And she knows she's weird. Like she knows she's goofy she knows she has this vernacular that is basically entirely her own and shared with her friends. And there are some people who can understand that and adapt to it. There's some people who are like bemused by it and accept it. Like Robbie always thought she was insane, but thought it was charming. And then there's Massimo who's just puzzled by it. Right. And doesn't understand why she can't come to Italy. Uh, Nope. He, we, we realize he has a large extended family who are always around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as the book goes on, he come, when he comes back, uh, Massimo has a jealous side that comes out quickly and gets ugly pretty quickly. I would say almost instantaneously, yeah. actually. Especially given what the situation is, because it doesn't sound... Obviously, because it's Dave the Laugh, it probably looks bad, but it's not like they were kissing. It's not like he caught them doing anything beyond dancing. He, he does catch them having a physical altercation. They are shoving each other back and forth in the street. And it, that is true. But if I saw my girlfriend and another guy and they were like shoving each other as hard as they seem to be pushing each other, I would actually be upset that there was like that some guy was pushing my girlfriend. Yeah, I wouldn't be jealous that somebody else got to have a, a fight, a physical right. fight with my girlfriend. But yeah, we'll we'll get there because there is more going on. Although this is another it feels like there is a lot happening this whole book, but it is really all just propulsively going toward the end of the yes. book. Yes. Uh, uh, minus have, the Angus. We have some of the fallout with Libby and her little friend who she <laughs> Who she, she made up? Hair. Yeah, she did <laughs> and, his hair. It wrote "bum" on his forehead in indelible ink, which is pretty funny. Uh, George's mom doesn't really see what the problem was there. It's just indelible ink. It's not a tattoo. Right. Uh, <laughs> George's mom is uh, a plus in this book. I'm uh, I'm really liking her. Uh, her parents. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so. I think this has not been telegraphed that strongly, but there have been hints all along that her mother doesn't really care about her dad very much. Yeah. For good reasons. Like, he doesn't seem like a great father or partner. And this book, it comes to a four. And it makes sense. Like, what happens makes sense. And I do love that you were reminded that Georgia loves her mom, which is like, obviously, if we, if they got a divorce, I'd live with mom. No way. Yeah. No way to body. It's funny because when I first, so there's a moment in the story where the parents get into, I mean, they've gotten in fights in the past. Right. But they get into a screaming fight and the mother basically tells the father that he's not a part of George's life. Like you are, you Mm. only ignore, basically she calls him out on everything we've been calling him out on. (laughs) 
And right. if I hadn't been listening to the book and on a walk at that point, I would I would have dropped everything and immediately written to you and just been like, <laughs> this is it. This is really happening. Because uh, because it's it's kind of what we've been wondering about, which is mm-hmm. what's the like is this ever going to be addressed? The fact that the, she she calls his car the clown mobile. She insults. She, we find out that no, she's not cool with the fact that the father sold the family car and bought this blowabout. Like it's it's <laughs> just a ridiculous. It's like the whole situation was ridiculous to us, and now we realize, oh, it's just been tense in the house the whole time. And it feels like one of those situations where for her it was building up more and more and she's trying to keep it together. But obviously it's come out in different ways that she's not satisfied with this mm-hmm. relationship. I mean, there's a reason she has a big crush on like the most handsome and competent man that right. she's come in contact with. Like, it's really, it, it's a rough fight, but it's also like, I understand where this came from and I am glad it's finally happening. <laughs> And unlike in the movie, uh, Georgia is looking forward to the idea of her parents separating. Oh, Georgia's hyped. Uh, well, I mean, I, I do think that Georgia would never, Georgia will never write this out. She will never tell us this. But she has sympathy for her mom. Yeah. There are times when she's like, I don't know why you're with him. Uh, you're the one who married him, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's that, it's that hard thing where the father's doesn't seem to be... The father is not a bad person. He's just useless. He's just this useless guy. Yeah. I mean, I guess... I can't even tell if either of them go to work ever. I don't think her mother... I don't think her mother has a job, which is fine. Uh, But it doesn't seem like he does much. And there's also this weird midlife crisis his brother is going through that he's like privy to mm-hmm. like this whole like uh exotic dancing situation on the side <laughs> and i don't think is. anyone's happy about that no, uh, <laughs> no. wearing leather pants all the time it's just it is yeah. like and i know like georgia like likes to poke fun at people's appearances but it really wouldn't be great to see your father consistently wearing leather pants. I Just understand why she, pants. yeah, I understand why this is what she picks up on and picks up. But yeah. yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of drama in the Nicholson home in this one. And it's the first time there's been, there have been like multiple flashpoints there, yeah. I would say. Yeah. We also get some major movement from on the wet Lindsay front. She ah. comes back into this story with a vengeance. She's so mean. Yeah. She's so awful. She's letting set like setting up Georgia to get in trouble over and over again. And she says uh, up front, I'm going to be head girl next year and I'm going to make your life a living hell. Yeah. Because I don't like you. And that's that whole like that whole like head boy, head girl thing is a system that I do not understand. So wild. And the only reason the schooling systems would have that is because you want children to be tortured by older children yeah you want them to be terrified for reasons unknown unclear uh, i mean the this, british school system yeah, like the a, school isn't good if this is actually representative of what british schooling is that i'm not impressed you give uh, one child authority over all the other children <laughs> I, the only thing this school is doing right is giving uh giving Georgia really meaty roles in the, in the Shakespeare <laughs> productions because she's Mercutio at this, in their new Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Uh, and she would also, kill that. Yeah. There's also the, the Rom and Jewel plot. Uh, <laughs> it's, their, it's their new play. This school does a lot of plays. 
The school uh, loves or, to do plays. Is it the school or is it just her class? It seems like it's her class, except the time the pantomime was like the school broadly. Yeah, but like, this that is seemed like, yeah. This is like this, in a sitcom when the school does a play and it's just your main characters getting the main roles. <laughs> this is true. Uh, but she gets a good role and the teacher is like hyped for her to have this good role. Because apparently Georgia is good at acting, which isn't surprising. <laughs> Did you ever watch the sitcom Head of the Class? Barely ever, because yeah. it's just slightly... I mean, like, the same... What you're talking about, this happened on Saved by the Bell. This happened on... Right. The Head of the Class is two-parter, where the <laughs> school was doing Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. And it was a two-part episode, and I was, of course, beside myself with Yeah, you would have been thrilled. they were doing Little Shop. <laughs> and... Because it's head of the class, the only people in the school-wide production of Little Shop of Horrors were the kids in the honors class. Like, there was a theater department, (laughs) but the entire show is cast out of this one class of super smart kids, which isn't necessarily the crossover that you experience. No, no, that seems unfair to the kids who are actually interested in theater. <laughs> right. And of course the the handsome boy gets cast as Seymour, but then he has to he he they're doing a Gilbert and Sullivan play, but then it gets canceled to do Little Shop, which is a controversial choice. And he drops it because he refuses to play the lead in Little Shop of Horrors. So it goes to the nerdy character, who is, turns out is perfect for the role. I was going to say, uh, nerdy is what you're looking for in Little yeah. Shop of Horrors. That's also just a... I mean, I realize you can assign lots of different people the many different parts in Little Shop of Horrors. But its core cast is like four people. It's four people. Uh, and I always I always get frustrated when, when casts of Little Shop uh, assign all the bit parts to different actors because... The, the joke it's supposed is that it's to be one, one guy, one guy it's playing to all be the other roles. <laughs> this is going to turn into a little shop of horrors podcast <laughs> very quickly if we allow it to. And like, I wouldn't complain, but maybe some people, maybe would our be listeners thrilled. would. No, they're doing Romeo and Juliet, and uh, Jazz, yeah, Jazz gets Juliet, uh, and Dave the Lap is of course on lights again, and he's looking forward to it because he likes to create hijinks backstage, and that's his like. It's his outlet, I guess. There's more pants jokes. Uh, there's there's a lot of tomfoolery. There's some of Dave the Laugh being... Uh, I was going to say there's some of him being nice. He's just hot and cold with Georgia. He, he really uh, is. He, he will turn on a dime mid-conversation. Uh, he's continuing to be like outsized homophobic toward, uh, uh, toward Massimo, who is... Okay, I, I mean, like, not that it matters. He's not gay, but it's just consistent, like, calling calling George's relationship with uh, with Massimo a lesbian relationship. Yep. So also, like, yeah, it gets it gets uglier and uglier from yeah, Dave. And it gets it gets old, Dave. The laugh, like, it's it not gets funny. It gets old, but I guess that's what kids do. Not unlike him saying the word pants as a joke. Like, <laughs> even <laughs> the that... teacher calls it out and is like. Why do you think this is funny? And I'm sitting here reading and I'm like, I remember being the age when a joke like that would be funny. But as an adult, I am still just, it's not funny. I'm on the teacher's side in this one particular circumstance. Like, I'm with Miss Wilson thinking that Georgia should be ratio. And I'm with, I'm with a teacher getting mad about this thing. But I mean, Dave does, Dave the Left does serve his... Uh, his grand purpose during the Angus crisis. And he is sweet during the Angus crisis. 
Yeah. He is sweet during the Angus crisis. Um, so what, how, do we, how do we end up there? Because Massimo comes back. He keeps mm -hmm. trying to connect with Georgia, and things just aren't clicking. Uh, he mm -hmm. sees he keeps running into her when she's with Dave the Laugh, and you can tell he's getting more and more cold towards Dave. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, particularly, he runs into them after Dave's come to drop off some cat treats for 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 Angus, and that's kind of like starts when it really starts boiling over. Yeah, so, yeah, Georgia's at a sleepover with the Ace Gang. But aren't they at a sleepover for a reason? I can't remember what it I is. I don't think so. I think this might just be an Ace Gang thing. Like, maybe there was a stiff Dylan's gig. That's usually the reason. Yeah, because, okay, cause of the, so the Ace Gang is going through the snogging scale. Yes. Uh, and they're all trying to figure out. There's a lot. There's a, a little danger there because the girls are trying to I keep hinting at the fact that Georgia has been snogging Dave the Laugh in front of Ellen. So that's part of the Ooh. tension at the sleepover. Um, she gets a she gets a post. That's what it is. She gets a postcard from Massimo. He's still out of town. Mm -hmm. uh, she has told him that she's not going to be able to come visit. She gets a postcard from him that says, I am miss you like crazy. I am not for long to wait to see you. Today we go to the mountains. I have song in my heart for you. Uh, Massimo XXXXXXX. And, uh, and so, of course, she has to bring that to the, to the Ace Gang to figure out what it means. <laughs> <laughs> that one's more straightforward than some of the other things. Yeah, he said. says like... Yeah, they're always helping her decipher these. Yeah, but yeah, it's it. Yeah, she's so she's hanging out with her friends. Things are a little tense with the Ellen thing. She gets a call at like two in the morning from her mom. It's it's the mm -hmm. middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And this is the yeah, this is the call uh, through which her mother is crying the yeah. whole time, which is also interesting because we're finding out that her mother also has a lot of affection for Angus and is probably anguished in part because both Libby and. Uh, Georgia are so enamored. So when she gets the call from her mom, I'm in the library, <laughs> reading in the library because yeah, I sure. take I take Mitzi there for a, a thing she has every week, and I wait mm -hmm. for an hour. I'm reading in the library. Her mom calls and she's crying. I know something bad has happened. In my mind, I thought it was either going to be something that happened to the dad. Mm. Or something, I thought it was most likely something had happened to the grandpa. I thought she was going to say grandpa's had a heart attack or grandpa's suddenly died. Because he's been a kind of a, he's a character, but he's a goofy character. And I was like, if anything tragic's going to happen, something happening to grandpa would make sense. Grandpa was my guess too. So there you go. Um, instead, she's crying because... Mr. Across the Road. And I don't think we've made a... There's two sets of neighbors. There's Mr. and Mrs. Next Door, Mr. and Mrs. Across the Road. That's the only way they're referred they to. And they, they don't have names. Yeah. They both... They all hate Angus because mm -hmm. of the way he disrupts their lives constantly. Yeah. The fact that Mr. Across the Road has brought Angus wrapped up in a bundle and he is upset, suddenly took this book into a very realistic place. Like, mm -hmm. the neighbor isn't the villain that we're always being told he is. He is a he is just a, a guy who lives across the road and gets annoyed at the kids who understands the gravity of this situation. Right. 
So Georgia leaves the sleepover as soon as she finds out what's going on. And Angus, uh, they go to the vet with Angus, who to all the world looks like he is about to die. They actually have called the vet to come put Angus to sleep. Yes. To come to the house. And they're like... You're right. No, they before they go, because they do get him to the vet eventually, sure. But yeah, you're right. The, the vet is going to pay a house call, which is... It's terrifying. This is what's happened to multiple friends of mine with their cats. Like they yes. have a vet visit at home. Yes. It's oh Yeah. Even when my cats are sick, I'm inconsolable. I've realized that I will be like putting in for bereavement and uh, mm-hmm. when they when they die. And this is so this is I was just at home reading this and just crying silently at this point for right. a while. <laughs> so at this point in the library <laughs> There's a there's a 45 year old man holding a copy of a, a of a young book a book for teen girls a book for girls uh, with a with a with a probably I don't know if it's on the I, I don't have my physical copy in front of me but it probably has like a brazier and like a lipstick tube on the cover almost certainly it does tears pouring down his face into his mask. <laughs> Oh, you're, uh, for some reason, you know, the fact that you're wearing a mask makes it so much sadder. <laughs> because, ladies and gentlemen, this book does not let up from this point on. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, Georgia, the, the vet arrives to put Angus to sleep. And they're very straightforward with Georgia. They're like, cats don't bounce back from this. There is probably, he is broken. He's not conscious. There is probably a lot of stuff torn up inside this cat mm-hmm. and to keep him alive would be cruel like they're very they're very straightforward and she begs just please try to do something mm-hmm. so that's when they take him to the vet and it is still very touch and go at this point for a while too yeah. uh and this is when uh dave the laugh steps up yep Presumably, Mosmo would have done something were he around. Yeah, but he is out of town, and she actually yeah. uses this as an excuse. Like, this right. sort of falls into her lap as like, I can't come visit you. It's impossible. I have to stay here and take care of Angus. Yeah. But it's not Georgia manipulative. It's true. Mm-hmm. She has to stay in town and take care of Angus. This, this just is... gives her one less thing to worry about. Yeah. It's so much more important to her. <laughs> like, yeah. so much. Uh, Dave... The laugh goes with her to the vet at some point to take Angus home. Yeah. After they've done everything they can, which is not that much. Uh, Angus, by the way, doesn't make a full recovery by the end of this book, but he's doing all right. He's doing all right. Better. There's a moment where the vet tells her, look, and the vet is nice, but not like the vet's bedside manner leaves a little bit to be desired. Not particularly warm about this whole situation. But he says, kid your parents can't afford to keep this cat here much longer like this is expensive and it's costing your parents a lot of money and that's when georgia decides we'll just take him home like if even if he doesn't recover i want him to be home mm-hmm. uh again i'm weeping yeah <laughs> i'm also like trying like it's impossible not to imagine myself in this situation yes. like I would want to do the exact same thing. Like I would, I want to be there oh, when my cats are, when my cats are not doing great. Like, yes. and like Scott does the same thing. We each are, 
We're each more attached to one of the cats than the other, and it's really rough when one of them is sick and the other the other of us is like despondent about it. So it's a it's a whole thing. Oh, I, it's I rough. Think for, it's for rough. me. It's because Angus, especially because this is a story being told by a child, but Angus is a character. Mm-hmm. But our our cats, our pets, are characters in our lives. We we imbue them with these funny little personalities that they may or may not actually have. They yeah, be, absolutely. We, we anthropomorphize them to an extent. Mm-hmm. Then an accident happens, or the cat gets sick, or something, and you're suddenly hit with the realization that this is an animal that doesn't understand what's going on. And to mm-hmm. me, that's the hard part about animals getting sick or hurt is all the anthropomorphization kind of falls away because this is just a helpless animal. And this, they do that so well with Angus. She writes it so well, like suddenly this is not a bizarre cartoon cat. This is an animal that has been hit by a car. And He's all but like an object at this point. Like he can't really move. Yeah. They just leave him in his cat basket all the time. And like he'll do like one of the other cats will like come and snuggle with him and he'll mm. react very slightly. He will eat, but not very much. Like there are just all these indicators that he is not okay. Mm-hmm. And this is part of why Dave the Laugh is like coming coming by and dropping off treats for him. Like uh, they're but like every they are rallying for this cat to not die. Yeah. It's, it's not just that it's it's not just that it's going to be Georgia heartbroken. There's also this whole factor of Libby uh, and them trying to shield Libby from the information yes. that Angus is not doing well, which right. you can't do. Like, not at this point. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like I mentioned up top, we get to the point where her friends are like, you have to come do something with us. Just come hang out with us in the park just to get your mind off of this. Mm-hmm. Like. And she's like, yeah, they're probably right. Like, I Yeah. Knew. Well, no, yeah, this is the acceptance thing, right? This yeah. is like, yep, the life is going to have to go on, even if it's going to be Angus-free. Just, yeah. Uh, oof. Um, <laughs> spoilers, it's not going to be Angus-free. Angus... He's fine. He's fine. fine by the end. But it takes him a long time, and he rallies in much the same way that a person with, like, a brain injury might have that initial, like, few weeks where you're like, what is even going to happen? And then they start coming back. Angus is not altogether there at the end. Uh, and he can't balance because his tail is broken. Um, yeah. That's but... the thing, which is a thing that... It's something that, like, when a, when a cat has three legs, it still essentially has four because that's how much they rely on their tail for balance. Yeah. So, like, when this when something like this happens, it's really rough on a cat. So. It is rough on a cat. Um, oh. But uh, they go to the park. And what happens in the park? I'm trying to remember. nothing good. <laughs> yeah. Um, we 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 need to we need to mention the fact that that Mark Big Gob and his gang of idiots uh, uh, have been have been uh, uh, threatening presences. I was gonna say the they 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 harass them. They uh they like peep on them. They uh they say awful things to mm-hmm. the Ace Gang. And Georgia can only tell them off so many times. Yeah. Uh, it, it does take physical violence uh, yes. eventually to, to get them off their backs. Yes. Um, Ellen is still dithering about, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, is who's... it Declan or is it someone else? I think it might be someone else. Uh, and, and everyone's kind of uh, paired up. And Georgia is finding that she doesn't really care. Like, yeah. Um, 
the, the, the Angus thing has kind of thrown her life. I like to see it as it's kind of like recontextualized everything for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though by the end of the book, she kind of goes back most of the ways towards old old school Georgia. You do see her with a little bit more insight after the Angus thing. Like mm-hmm. suddenly she's having to reevaluate her priorities. Well, yeah, it's around because it's around that time when I mean, it is after the Angus thing where she starts to realize she and Massimo have nothing to say to each other and she can't figure out what it was that attracted her to him and made him the one that she wanted to date. Right. And she's puzzled by this. They're still tenuously together at the end of the book, but she's not invested in it the way she was. Like she's yeah. not excited about it anymore. Um, and so Massimo comes back around and there's this part where, uh, uh, he, he, he has said that he loves her. Mm-hmm. and she reflects on that and she says i've never had anyone say they love me before libby lobes me that is true <laughs> but there is something a bit menacing about the way she says it <laughs> libby and, libby also attaches herself to dave the laugh at some point in this book yeah. which is <laughs> she says and dave the laugh kind of said he did what was it he said when he fished me out of the water because she falls in the water in the woods yes and he says oh yeah and that is why i love you but he doesn't seem to love me now. In fact, to be frank, he seems to be doing a jazz, also known as having the Humpty with me. And there is a Humpty scale at the end of this book that is the most valuable thing that Louis Renison ever wrote. Really good. <laughs> I like that it's a lot of uh, specific physical yes. reactions. A lot of sniffing. <laughs> yes. Uh, if, if, if you're wondering what it means by being on the hump, uh, that is when you are TO'd at someone and you kind of just hump off. <laughs> and there are many different ways of doing that, and they are on a scale of one to ten. And uh, Jazz does the full ignore a vu. That yeah, is like yeah. her. Uh, that's her kind of her go-to. Honestly, yeah, her not in this book. She's nicer. She's nicer in this book. She's nicer in this book. Uh, or I guess I won't say nicer. Less reactionary. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, she's less reactionary. She doesn't say uh, anything that's as much shaming of Georgia yeah. in this one because she's going through a breakup with Tom. Right. A weird, and, a future breakup. Uh, yeah. Tom thinks it would be a good idea for the two of them to go to school in different places when they go into higher ed uh, in order to make sure that they are built to last, which is it, like, it sounds like a bad idea, but at the same time, is it? Yeah. <laughs> is it a bad I idea? mean, that could also be a way of saying, I want to date other girls. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe come back to you later, which is more realistic anyway. Yeah. Also, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, kids, it's not going to work out. No, absolutely no. not going to work out. But they are together again at the end because yeah. I think she's basically making the most of it. And this is the thing where Georgia pretends to herself that she's not jealous of jazz, but she's jealous of jazz. Yeah, I sent you that uh, that quote. Yeah. That like really, I don't know, it just, it really hit me when I read it, which is... Uh, God, it was hopeless. Everything I thought of, Jazz had an answer for. She didn't want to let her red bottom run free and wild. She doesn't mind the vole dropping stuff and looking interested. She is interested. She doesn't want to flop around in her jimmy jams if she wants to, because she already can. Because Tom, hunky the wonder dog, likes her just the way she is, whatever she looks like. In a nutshell, Tom is her one and only one, and that is the end of the matter. I wish I were her. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... yeah. Ugh. yeah. <laughs> it's such an it's such a revelation on George's part to be it's, able to just say 
I wish I was in jazz. Like, I wish I had something like jazz has. It's so much more honest than she usually was. It's more unvarnished than she usually is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's honesty in the way there's George is usually impulsively honest. Mm -hmm. Like, this is how I'm feeling right now. She's not usually this reflective. Right. Which is, I think, when you're a kid, you're more impulsively honest. As you get older and you have time to sit in your own juices all the time. (laughs) Think about what a miserable creature you are. Which is what we're all doing most of the time yeah. <laughs> after a certain age. Uh, yeah, she she's getting older yeah. in a way that wasn't immediately evident, but it's really, it comes through in this book. Uh, and of course, like things have to come to a crashing halt at the end, because where are we in these books without a slight cliffhanger? At the without a slight cliffhanger. But uh, uh, until then, we get uh, fisticuffs at dawn. Yeah. We so <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so we have a Georgia and Dave the Laugh confrontation. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple of them, but right. da- basically Dave just flying off the handle about Georgia being interested in kissing him after the many many times that he has kissed her, <laughs> and him acting as though it is always her fault. She is always the instigator. Yeah. And they're shoving. There's so much shoving. It's very unfair on his part. It's a, yeah, it's really unfair. Uh, and uh, this is what, well, okay, so Masmo has already kind of got his hackles up because uh, Dave wanted to dance with Georgia while the Stiff Dillons were playing. And yeah, they, there's a big Stiff Dillons gig. Yes. Uh, and the two uh, sex gods are both doing vocals and... Uh, oh, all, also this entire time, Lindsay is trying to get Robbie back in her clutches, and he's mm-hmm. sort of reluctantly going along with it, but doesn't seem particularly excited about it. But Georgia has gotten to the point where she does not care. Right. It's more that crazy. Lindsay is now disrupting Georgia's life. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Lindsay is, she like, she tricks Georgia into staying late to do some, uh, to do some sports, some punishment or not, sports another, stuff. Yeah. Actually, it's it's a, it's a training stuff. But then, mm-hmm. yeah, George is getting all red faced and sweaty. And then when she tries to get into, back into the locker room, it's all locked up. And Lindsay has locked at, locked her out of her clothes, and is jumping onto uh, Massimo's motorbike for a lift home. Yes, uh, which yeah. he explains later. Uh, there's no, there is nothing going on there. No, there's cl- he's clearly not interested in her. But she wants to. Really wants to make Georgia jealous the same way Georgia has made her jealous, and it just doesn't work in this book. Like Georgia is more angry than jealous. Yeah, because she's Georgia doesn't care about the guys so much, but but now Lindsay is like stepping into her life, and it's mm-hmm. and it's not gonna go well. No. Yeah. Forget. Forget. So we're at the say. Stiff Dylan's yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everything's going great. Uh, Dave the Laugh is dancing with everyone, kind of. Yeah, um, he's just a, do- he's equal opportunity. We have to mention the fact horn. that the Viking disco horn dance is now a sensation. Yeah, and it's part of the uh, act at different points. Like, yeah. They get to do it on stage. Yeah, and- the, the girls have done it. The audience loves it. So now they keep doing it. So everyone's mm-hmm. kind of a part of the thing. Yeah. As ridiculous as that is. It sounds fun, honestly. It sounds really fun. And I love that they do it. I love that the, the Stiff Dillons encourage it in particular. Like, they've really gotten on board with uh, George's madness. Yeah. Uh, and then Massimo uh, tells Dave to step outside. 
Yes. Because uh, they have been dancing. And you realize that he's a lot more jealous than he had let on or that mm-hmm. we had been privy to because it's fisticuffs at dawn. Yeah. So does he see them shoving each other, though? Is that what he witnesses that sets him off? Or did is it the dancing? Uh, he says... He says, uh, you enjoy dancing with my girlfriend, mate. Yes. And he says, yes, okay. and Dave and Dave thinks it's a joke. He's like, oh, is this fisticuffs at dawn? And so, and, and he's like, he starts doing a Muhammad Ali impression, feel like a mm. butterfly sting like a bee, put him up, put him up. And then they realize that Massimo's not joking. Oh, no. And he's like, step out, get out, step out of the club. It's time to fight. Yeah. And this is where Georgia steps into the middle of it. Uh, by 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 stepping between them and screaming, stop, stop in the name of pants. <laughs> Pretty good. And then Rosie starts singing The Hills Are Alive with the Sound of Pants. And it kind of just ruins the mood and everyone wanders off. It diffuses the tension, but Masmo is still mad at the yeah. end of this. Dave the Laugh has uh, narrowly escaped something. Yeah. And, and Masmo now has the hump. He walks away from Georgia and she realizes that he has the hump. She doesn't know if she's been dumped or not. She's back in the situation she was in the beginning. She doesn't know what's going on just because she did the twist with Dave the Laugh and had a German fight with him. Oh, yeah, we have to to mention that she translated the entire snogging scale into German, (laughs) which is amazing. She did a great job of it, too. I mean, German German words are fun generally, but all the snogging related words are particularly because at this point now, uh, uh, Herr Kammeyer is romantically involved or interested in. uh, Yes. Miss what's her face? Miss Wilson, I think the one who was on the trip, right? Yeah. Yeah. The nutty pants. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) of course. Yeah. There's there's something going on between the two of them. uh, And. There's a lot of little little details like that throughout this book, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it ends with with Georgia as she says an expression that I used just today, uh, "all alone on my oni." <laughs> Again, I love "all alone on my oni." Yes. It's very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I said it. I said it today to someone. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I'm like, I think that's going to be the thing I take away from this book series. <laughs> What's funny is I was listening to this part on audio, and it just ended because I was like, I was so invested that she's like all alone on my own again, pants. And then it immediately goes into Georgia's backup dancer portfolio. And I was like, well, this is a weird thing to insert into the middle of the story. I did not realize the book had ended. Oh, it's over. It's over. So like, hmm. where do we stand now? Massimo, she's clearly not going to stay with Massimo. He's not going to want to date her after no, this. No, they're wrong she, for each other. They're wrong for each other. She likes Dave the Laugh, but Dave the Laugh has this whole tude now that is rough. I mean, he's pushing, he physically pushes her away when they're ki- about to kiss. Uh, that ends weirdly. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't mm-hmm. It doesn't really resolve itself. And then they're just dancing together again. It's weird. This is all very dramatic for Georgia. And she's just over uh, a very traumatic situation and has to deal with all these boys all being these boys. boys. But not Robbie anymore. He's kind of doing his own thing at this point. Robbie feels like a grown-up in contrast with yeah. the rest of these boys at this point. Well, he's like, been he's he's been to the States. He's he's been around, hasn't <laughs> he? Or he went he went on a tour with the with the Stiff Dillons. He went, he he was in Kiwi and Go Go Land. He learned what he wants to do with his life yeah. and it's not music. 
Whereas you have Masamo, who really does just seem like kind of floaty and undefined, and there's just not much to him. And then, of course, we want her to end up with Dave Leff, right? Even if he was a pill in this book. Like, right. I mean, I guess. I would, I mean, as always with me, I'm happy in stories if everyone ends up with no one. <laughs> uh, it would, be, I mean, it would be, that would be shocking in this particular book because everybody is paired off with right. someone. That that's a very uh, it's a very important thing to all of them to have a boyfriend. Now we predicted that in the tenth book Georgia will die. <laughs> that's called a spoiler alert for the sister of It's called tibbying. Yeah, it's rare that's though that it's the main the main point of view character. <laughs> Who would take over if Georgia? The, if the last book was written entirely by Libby, uh, I was going to ask if it would be Libby. Oh, written in her, her. vernacular. <laughs> It would be like those rare those babysitters club books where they would have one chapter by one of the kids and it was yeah. clear that the authors had no idea how to write. All writing for children meant was you don't use contractions for some reason. <laughs> I loved it loved it when it was like a pike kid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like the little ones. Nope. Yeah. No. The tri- the triplets I would I found totally acceptable because they just sounded like boy versions of the babysitters slightly younger <laughs> which i loved uh boy babysitters as as you've yes. coined. <laughs> okay. but yeah this is a this is an intense one i loved this book so much yeah it this one me, was it great made, this made one me was cry great. a lot uh it's like she's just really she's really good at capturing this character who i now feel i know better than i know myself which is <laughs> which is great for me i love it and I'm, uh, I'm gonna be sad to see her go next week. I'm, okay, I will say this is the hardest time I've had not just reading the next book before we recorded. Like yeah. I will probably start it today because I loved this one, and I desperately want to know what's going to happen. Like I need to know. Can you imagine though reading these in real time? Because this no. is like a ten-year-long trek, which I don't know if this is quite worth a ten-year investment. Uh, <laughs> But as, truly, a, as a no, weekly I, read, yeah. I truly can't imagine reading them any other way. This is like, there are specific television shows that I can't, like, I only could binge and I'm not a binge watcher. But I would wait, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend being the best example, because that is such an emotionally torturous show that I could only take it all in one, like, huge dose as opposed to metered out week by week until the final season. Uh this feels like that. Like I need, I, I need to get through it as quickly as possible, or I will explode. How many, uh, how many people do you suppose started reading this series the year it came out when they were the appropriate age, and saw it through to the bitter end? I cannot imagine there are very many of them. I. And I would hazard a guess that there are almost none in America specifically. Because this this series was wildly popular in Britain, which makes sense. And yeah, it did make it over here. But I never knew there were more than like two or three of them. Yeah. And you would have to start when you were like 13 or 14 and end when you were in your mid-20s. Yeah. That's part of the thing. Like with something like The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, there's only... With, like, yes, yeah, Sisterhood Everlasting is there, and you can pick that up as an adult, but it was easy enough to read those all in succession. Like, they're mm-hmm. coming out very quickly. There's only four of them, and you are roughly their age the entire time you're reading them if you pick them up at the particular yeah. point. With this, if I had started reading these when these were coming out, 
I would have still been reading them in college, and that would have felt weird. Yeah. It feels less weird to do it as an adult, because it's like, oh, we're looking at this in retrospect, this, uh, this series that... We at this point we couldn't be further divorced from the Babysitters Club while still remaining loosely in this genre. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I can't imagine how many people do you think did that? So few, right? I mean, that was what that that article that we both yeah. read was about. Like yeah. the fact that the the author had let it like lost track of them until she heard about Louise Renison's death. Right. Uh, I can't imagine. Yeah, I, it just seems mind puzzling that anyone would have stuck with these. Yeah. Who who started at the beginning? If I can right. see coming in when you're 13 and you know book six is coming out, and you're like, okay, like there's I can mm. finish these. I'll uh, yeah, you know. get cut up. Yeah, because you know you only have. But man, if you started, I don't know. Like yeah, <laughs> if I was in college or you know at work and reading <laughs> one of these. Also, like, imagine starting at one and then forgetting about the series and then getting caught up later and realizing you were going to get to a point where there was, like, cat trauma <laughs> and fisticuffs. Like, it really, it, it it escalates in these ways that are not actually, like, it, they don't sound that dramatic, but when they occur in the books, it's, like, the biggest thing that could possibly right. happen. <laughs> Uh, listeners, if anyone out there read these books in real time, <laughs> let us know. We would love to know what your experience We do was. No, I need to know more about people who read these when they were the age they were targeted at. Because, like, I completely missed this. Yeah. And I wish I hadn't, because they're really great. I mean, sub these in for Princess Diaries, which are fine. Like, these are these are better. Mm-hmm. It's killer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Should have gotten one... their own Gary Marshall movie. Uh Honestly, it wouldn't be that bad. I could see Gary Marshall handling this okay. Uh, we have one more book. One more book. The first to mention Basuma is in the title. Uh, yes the 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 final the final book in the the Georgia the Georgia Nicholson series are these my Basumas I see before me, <laughs> uh, which. They're doing Romeo and Juliet. They're not doing McUseless anymore. And that's a McUseless quote. It's, it bothers maybe, me. Maybe we're going to dwell on McUseless. Maybe we're going to return to that. Maybe it's going to be brought up as part of Dave the Laugh and George's courtship. Who's to say? I will be to say as soon as I read this today. <laughs> I, I, I will honestly go on record as saying I do in my head only refer to Macbeth as McUseless at this point. <laughs> I think that's probably a good idea. I'm definitely stealing the Rama Jewel nomenclature. <laughs> so, so good. Uh, I think, oh, uh, Pizza Toast Pod on yeah. Twitter. Pizza Toast Pod at gmail.com. <laughs> P. Corey Gonzalez on Twitter. Christy Admiral on Twitter. I was on the podcast Total Massacre to talk about Face Off if you want to listen to that. That's total underscore mass un- underscore pod on Twitter. Uh, I'm with. One of the guests is staggeringly overqualified in contrast with me, which is great. It's Keith Phipps from the Onion AV Club, so you should definitely listen to it. He says something at the end that made me laugh so hard that I was useless for, like, the next five minutes of recording, and I think that's just wonderful. Uh, I think we should say goodbye to our fisticuffs. You want to say goodbye to the fisticuffs? (laughs) Yeah. Goodbye, fisticuffs. Goodbye, fisticuffs. (laughs) 